Ready? Yep. Set. They go. Go. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. I was trying for you to go ready, set, and then start talking. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been hanging out with my kids way too much because I, I always go, ready, set, and then they say, go. <laughs> hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week on September 27th, we'll be listing out our favorite non-human side characters. Then, on October 4th, we will be discussing Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. We hope you'll join us for the discussion. If you haven't signed up for our Patreon yet, what are you waiting for? If you sign up at the novel tier for $10 a month, you'll get a shout-out every episode, a The Book Life logo sticker, a Sticker Anxiety bookmark, access to the monthly episode poll, and access to our mini-series where Mo and I try to convince each other to read books that our co-host has not yet read. We hope you'll consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge shout out and thank you to our patrons, Ronnie and the Pirate Queen. May your coffee be stronger than your challenges this week. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, and my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are talking about The Once and Future Witches by Alex E. Harrow. This was quite an excellent read, I thought. It was very beautifully written. I did the audiobook, and I don't know. I was so intrigued that the fact this was a fantasy novel that involved basically suffragettes, right? Suffragists, the women's uh, movement to, for voting. Not really good at saying words sometimes. Um, but this is our second book. Um, Abby, how did you read it? Did you read it physical copy, ebook, or audio? I did the audiobook from my library. How did you feel about the writing? Um, it, it definitely was in line with 10,000 Doors of January, which is also by Alexi Harrow. I think if I was forced to reread one of them, I would reread this one rather than 10,000 Doors. Um, just as a personal preference, because I liked this story just a tad better. Um, there was a little bit more action in this one. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I really love fantasy elements in historical settings. You know, I, I love when authors do that. That's like mm-hmm. my dream book right there is fantasy in a historical setting. It's like, Oh. And obviously, this is not even magical realism. This is more like alt history fantasy, which I also enjoyed. Yes, I really enjoyed the alternate history. That was fun. Um, and I definitely would say this is not a YA novel. I felt like 10,000 Doors was geared more towards a coming to age YA story versus this is probably emerging adult. Yeah, I would consider this either new adult or adult. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, definitely not YA. Oh, not at all. So um, one of the fun facts I do have, I just would like to put it out there in the universe that um, the author, is who also wrote 1,000 Doors of January, won a Hugo Award, which is a big deal because this Once Future Witches is her second book. And her first book won one of the most prestigious um, sci-fi fantasy awards out there. Mm-hmm. So definitely set the bar real high with this book. Oh, for sure. Uh, Abby, could you jump into a summary? Gladly. 
1893, there's no such thing as witches. There used to be in the wild, dark days before the burnings began. But now witching is nothing but tidy charms and nursery rhymes. If the modern woman wants any measure of power, she must find it in the ballot box. But when the Eastwood sisters, James Juniper, Agnes, Amaranth, and Beatrice Belladonna, join the suffragists of New Salem, they begin to pursue the forgotten words and ways that might turn the women's movement into the witches' movement. Stalked by shadows and sickness, hunted by forces who will not suffer a witch to vote, and perhaps not even to live, the sisters will need to delve into the oldest magics, draw new alliances, and heal the bond between them if they want to survive. There's no such thing as witches, but there will be. Mm-hmm. I think my, I'm like, it's okay, good. It's in the first line. I'm like, oh, I really want to say it. Like, my favorite thing about this is ordinary magic. Things that you don't expect to be magical, such as, you know, the charms and the nursery rhymes. Loved it. Like, it was just so interesting. I loved how, I loved all the interludes between chapters, or they might have been chapter beginnings. I don't know, because I read the audiobook. (laughs) So I don't know how it was done, but at the beginning of every chapter, there was like a nursery rhyme or an old story and Harrow put a twist on it that made it about witches or about magic or about some kind of spell that had to do with the chapter. And I thought that was really cool. I agree. I think my favorite, well, because this falls very much in line with our fairy tale retellings that we love. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the reasons why this was so interesting because they call it the witches' um, ways and words. Is that right? Yeah, the ways and the words. Yeah, so they have to come together. And the way that they preserve their words was through these stories that were just thrown in intermittently throughout the whole story. And then, of course, you had to have the intent um, and have the way to do it. Mm-hmm. That's a cool concept. And again, I really love that it tied it into the, you know, in America, the women's right to vote, because they talk about, oh, you know, I cannot remember the lady that led the movement in um, England right now, but they talk about her and they talk, you know, at the suffragists, not union, um, organization, and I'm like, this is great because you kind of got to learn a little bit, but you also got magic. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was interesting seeing the alternate history with old Salem, which is the Salem we would know in our world. And then there was new Salem, which is where most of this book happened. So it was just, I really liked this spin on the history of Salem. <laughs> I completely agree. It was just... I don't know. Like you said, I like fantasy novels set in a historical setting. Mm-hmm. So, Abby, can you uh, expand on the characters that we meet in the book? Oh, I can try. <laughs> well, uh, we start off with James Juniper, who is the youngest of the three sisters who are our main characters. She is willful. She's kind of tomboyish. She's headstrong. And she's very set on getting things done and making change. She is so intense. Like, she is one of those people I'd be like, girl, I don't know if we can hang out. I know. In real life, she and I would not be friends. I'd be like, you're, you're too much work, honey. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Then the middle sister is Agnes Amaranth, and she is pregnant when we meet her at the beginning of the book. That's not really a spoiler. It's literally at the beginning of the book you find out. Yep. (laughs) And she ends up taking a more, I'm going to close this circle around me and take care of myself kind of approach to life because she'd been burned before by trying to take care of the people around her and she just couldn't do it anymore. So we get to follow her on that path. And then we have Beatrice Belladonna, who is the oldest of the three sisters. She is introverted. She, when we meet her, she's working as an assistant in the library, I believe. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. She's in the library. That's why I was like, Ooh, favorite character. (laughs) So she's an assistant at the library there. And she is very introverted, doesn't want to get tangled up and stuff, but she can't resist an intellectual challenge. And that is what drags her into everything. You want to tell us about the others? Yeah. So we have a young man who is relevant to the story. His name is James. And he is a union worker from Chicago who is well-versed in the ways of men's magic. So it's interesting in this book that there's also women's magic and men's magic, and there's different flavors of it. And it's very um, interesting how they all come together in the end. There is Gideon Hill, who is a politician in New Salem, who is not so keen about the witches coming back, and he's not so keen about women getting the right to vote either. And there's also Chloe, who is a African-American journalist who writes for the African-American newspaper in New Salem. And she befriends Beatrice. And they work together to gather the witches' ways and words to help essentially drive the story. And it was great. And one interesting thing I found about this book was the difference between what is considered men's magic and what is considered women's magic. Uh, women's magic theoretically is all supposed to do with like cleaning and taking care of babies and things to help those processes versus men's magic is supposed to help with like creating or breaking down things because I guess that's considered more manly yes so but it's very interesting that men don't believe that women can do men's magic nah. And women are like, "Mm, you're funny. (laughs) So I just thought that was an interesting twist on this book as well. And I thought that was very interesting. Well, I guess we'll talk about it later. I guess we shouldn't talk about that now. So guys, as always, we are going to take a moment and pause so we can come back and spoil the second half so we can really get in depth with this. See you guys in a minute. Talk to you in a minute, guys. Bye. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast and now back to the show 
Welcome back, guys. And remember, this half is spoilers. So if you have not read The Once and Future Witches by Alex E. Harrow, please pause right here, go read the book, and then come back and talk to us. Now, let us start with favorite characters. Mo, okay. do tell me. I have to say Beatrice um, was my favorite character. Part, like, my number one character. I like the way that she... Well, for one, she's a bookworm. And she was like, I'm going to research this and figure out how to do it. And they end up finding the Lost Library of Avalon. And she's like, in Bookhaven. And I'm like, yeah, girl. I understand this completely. (laughs) So, I think that's what I enjoyed the most. She didn't per se take on, like, the full leader role of the Sisters of Avalon versus Juniper did. Juniper was a little bit too intense for me. I'm like, girl, you, you got to calm down. I can't handle this. I also <laughs> like Chloe a lot, or Cleopatra is her full name. I just thought it was kind of fun because she brought in, because, you know, this is during 1892, so we're after Civil War. Not quite, like Jim Crow, of course, wasn't happening until after... Um, more in the 30s and 40s and 50s but you know we're kind of out of the reconstruction phase and there's still a lot of prejudice against blacks and so she's on the other side of the story and she's part of her own coven of witches who are all black essentially and when they try to bring her coven into the new coven basically into um, the sisters of avalon they're like Mm, we'll be allies, but we 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 aren't going to be like like this. You know what I mean? But eventually, it changes later where they're like, okay, we're all in this together, and we got to stand together. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that too. Uh, I also liked Beatrice and Cleo's relationship and how it developed. I thought they worked well together. I mean, I like Beatrice because she likes books, so it's <laughs> pretty much that. I also really like James. He was a very interesting character. He. I think he, he truly cares for Agnes. Like, he ran into the fire at the end of the book. And he was like, no, 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 come out of there. And he took care of Eve, um, which is Agnes's daughter. And I just like how him and Agnes really clicked. Like, I didn't really like Agnes until, like, he started to be a more prominent character. And I didn't like Agnes until Eve popped out of her. So, mm-hmm. I've also put another fair character to eat, but she's a baby. So, meh. Can't really talk much. She's just a baby with red hair. See, and going into this, just going off the descriptions of the different sisters, I thought I would like Beatrice. Mm -hmm. I thought I would. Hmm. But she didn't really just, she just didn't do anything for me. I thought, like, her as an intellectual and a bookworm, I'm like, I can definitely, like, parallel this character, but she just didn't do anything for me. That's sad. I know. I was disappointed. Of the three sisters, if I absolutely had to pick a favorite, I would say Agnes comes out on top for me. Just because, like you said, uh, Juniper is very intense. (laughs) And as a person, she's a bit much. So, not for me. Thanks. Um, Beatrice, I just... She didn't do anything for me. I didn't really like her storyline. She didn't really have any true character growth. Like... I mean, she had some, but not much. And I felt like Agnes really had the most character growth throughout the story, just because she starts as this person who's very, I'm going to take care of me and mine. And 
the only person I am claiming as mine is the baby in my belly. Mm-hmm. And I can kind of empathize with that because the world is hard. And if you hit too many hard spots and they're burned too many times, sometimes what you really have to do is just like she did, draw your circle in and take care of yourself first. And so I get why she did it. I don't think she was necessarily right to do it all the times that she did it, but I get why. And I really appreciated that she decided to keep the pregnancy and go through with it. And she was like, I'm going to take care of this kid. This is my kid. I appreciated her romance with James. I thought it was really sweet. I liked them as a couple. Mm -hmm. She felt like she got more character growth from starting with very, I'm going to take care of me to she was trying to take care of all the sisters of Avalon by the end. Yeah. And I definitely a mother. Well, I mean, she was the mother character because Beatrice was the crone. The crone. crone, Yeah. The crone. And Juniper was freaking crazy. What was it? Um, the maid, the maid, the maid. That's right. Yeah. The crone, the mother and the maid. I know. I just, I just felt like she had the most character growth. I enjoyed her story the most. So of the three, if I had to pick one, I'd pick Agnes as my favorite. But honestly, like, I enjoyed the story, but most of these characters just left me going, eh. Hmm? Like, eh. They, they don't, they didn't stand out to me the way a lot of other book characters have in the past. It just, like, I even had trouble remembering all their names, honestly. <laughs> so. I know. Which usually doesn't happen with an audiobook. Yeah, usually I remember the names better better with audiobooks because I've like heard it. But with this, I was just like, I was trying to come up with the character list and I had the three sisters and I went, uh, the, the big bad, the, the journalist lady, uh, Mo helped me out. <laughs> well, I'm glad I was able to assist you in this endeavor. <laughs> me too. Okay, so least favorite characters then. Oh, honestly, this book had a fantastic villain. I thought Gideon Hill was delightfully creepy. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. He was a fantastic villain. Terrible person, but a fantastic villain. Awful person. Completely awful. I really liked his backstory that he actually, well, it's terrible because he was body hopping. Essentially, he would find a ward and be the trusted old uncle and then body hop. And he did that from... The burning of New Salem, because he he was St. George, which is one of the statues that the um, Sisters of Avalon said, "Mm, we're going to melt this. Thank you. And so, gosh, that was the uh, Salem Witch Trials, which was uh, like 1680s-ish. And he basically body hopped for 150 years into 1892. I hate what he did to his dog or his familiar. And. How he I know. put a metal collar on his familiar that was essentially supposed to be a wolf. And, oh, yeah. yeah, so many. I was just like, you are just despicable. And he, I mean, he he got his, um, what's the word? Comeuppance? Is that the right word? Yes. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was very satisfactory. It was. I really liked him as a villain. He was, like, I hated his character. He was absolutely despicable, but he was a fantastic villain. When you first meet him, I was like, okay, there's got to be more to this guy. I feel like he's going to be the bad guy in the end of all of this. Oh, yeah. 
but I was not expecting him to be St. George. <laughs> Surprise! I know, I was like, there's obviously got to be more to him. Oh, he has, so when he went to Juniper and when she was in prison, I was like, oh, he has magic. This makes sense. This makes sense why he's the big bad now. I get it. And then towards the end, you're like, oh yeah, by the way, he's St. George. And I'm like, oh, that's that's even better. Mm-hmm. Not only does he have magic, he's been body hopping. Awesome. Crazy, right? Yes. So interesting. Yeah, the world building was fantastic, not going to lie. Oh, for sure. So let's just jump into favorite scenes then, because let's talk about the really good stuff of the book. Okay. So I really enjoyed watching the suffragist movement and all the scenes that that played a role in. And I liked the parallels that were being shown between the suffragist movement and the witches gaining power. Just like all those scenes and the interplay between the two different groups of women just I found that very interesting and I really enjoyed reading those scenes I adored the tower (laughs) that's like my my ideal place in the world it's a giant tower full of books that can only be accessed by people I like (laughs) yeah uh, the, the tower just sounded magical. I'm like, can I have a tower too, please? Only key to me in like a select few. Thank you. Yeah, that's guys. every book for every stream. Like, here's a giant library. Oh, 100%. and only any only the people you want to let in will be let in. <laughs> like nobody else could bother you. I'm okay with this. <laughs> Perfect. I'm down with this. Uh, so yeah, that's mm, I loved that. I love that concept. I loved Eve's birth. I loved seeing the sisters come together and stand up against Gideon and use their power and actually be united because there's so much drama and tension between mm-hmm. these sisters. And I love that they finally came together for this and actually showed what they can really do and were there for each other and were being supportive. And it's just like, oh, also James coming in. James, who isn't even Eve's father, is still there for Agnes going... Yes, I'm here. What do you need? <laughs> what do you need? I will do it. Yeah, I know. He, he, oh, such a refreshing male character, you know? Oh, for sure. And then I also loved the climax where James Juniper died to defeat Gideon. And then she got that semi-resurrection in the tower. I had a feeling that she wasn't going to be dead permanently after she died. I was like, hmm. I feel like there's going to be a loophole somewhere and she's going to be brought back. But I liked that she wasn't like just 100% restored to her body kind of thing. It was more of a, you're trapped with the magical tower and you could technically live forever if you want, (laughs) but you you can't really go outside the tower. No, but you're in a magical tower. So, I mean, how awful can that be? (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I just... I really enjoyed the loophole and how it was used rather than to like fully bring her back, which would have been like the easy dumb thing to do. Mm-hmm. I liked that her sacrifice actually cost something. Yeah. Oh, good. quite enjoyed it. I have to completely agree with Eve's birth. That was so, I mean, you know, the moment of getting that kid out of your body and you're just <laughs> like, you're, and you're like remembering, you're like, yeah. Yep. Good moment to have your sisters there. Truly. I don't know. It was just like, I think for me, just because 
I've had to get some kids on my body. I was like, mm-hmm. I feel this. I feel this moment right now. Um, and I love Eve's description with her fiery red hair, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm like, she's perfect. And I, I do love how James, like, when they're basically on the stake being burned, you know, he has her. And he's like, I protect the baby. I protect the baby. No one's going to get this baby. I'll beat the crap out of them. You know? I love that he just basically decided he was going to be Eve's father, even though he wasn't Eve's father. Mm -hmm. He was just like, no, I love your mother. So you're my kid. Like, that's just how this works for me. I'm like, yes, good man. And yes, I agree. I was definitely like, I was having flashbacks to the birthing of my kids. Oh, yes. During that scene. I was like, oh, oh, Agnes. And I was actually thinking during that scene, thank God for modern medicine. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, um, we saw Seven Brides for Seven Brothers last night at the Muni. And the character, Millie, pops out a baby in the middle of the woods. And I'm like, Oh, right. I mean, well, granted, she had the um, six other brides that the brothers had kidnapped, essentially, you know, to help her pop that kid out. Uh-huh. But she had no doctor. She had no medicine. She just had six lovely friends. I, I just want this relevant thing. It's just like, sounds awful. No, thank you. Oh, my God. I know. Like my my first birth <laughs> for anybody who cares to know, I decided in all of my brilliance that I wasn't going to get an epidural. That was the dumbest decision of my life. <laughs> well, <laughs> you did it so, once. Congratulations. I was feeling Agnes's pain on so many levels. It was horrible. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. I'm good. Pass on that one. <laughs> I had a uh, lovely spinal and they cut my babies out. And then I had a, an eight week long recovery. And a big old scar across my tummy. But you know what? This is how how that happens when you got to get some twins out. Yep. Oh, I, I definitely got the epidural with my second. Let me tell you. <laughs> You're like, epidural, please. Can I have the button? Thanks. Go away. We got to the hospital and I went, so when do I get the epidural? And they went, oh, well. <laughs> now, I guess. <laughs> I made sure I knew when that was going to oh, happen. <laughs> yeah. Hard pass. All good. Anyway, sorry guys, went on a tangent. Welcome to the podcast. You are with the Book Moms tonight. We are so glad you joined us for a discussion about birth. <laughs> um, anyway, I I loved anything with Beatrice. I just I like that research, analytical, logical mind because it's like mine. You know, I liked how you know she's looking for these witches' ways and words, and she makes a mistake and casts a spell that. Gets her in trouble, obviously, because um, she got sick from it. But then just how she's able to piece it all together, how her and Cleo go to Old Salem and she figures out the necessary words that they need based off artifacts in a museum. I'm like, yeah, girl. Yes, this is so good. And I love that she worked in the library. And I love that she essentially lived in the library. I love everything about her life and the fact that there's libraries and books just evolved all over the place. And I enjoyed her relationship with Cleo. I was like, this is a satisfactory relationship. Thank you for putting this in the book. Also, shout out to the professor guy that she was working under. A plus male character. Like, oh, yeah. That guy was awesome. I forgot his name. Yeah. Okay. So, guys, we 
like, I don't know why the names are so hard to remember in this book. And we did the audiobooks. Usually we have so much better memory recollection. But the male librarian that worked with Beatrice, A-plus character, he gave them, like, shelter at his house. Um, he's like, any way I can help you, you let me know. Like, he even, like, told her, you know, I was thinking about asking you out and see if you want to marry me. He's like, I really didn't want a relationship. I kind of just wanted a companion and you can live in your own room and I live in my own room. And then we talk about books together and have dinner together, but then we go our separate ways at night. But I see you're happy. So just kidding. But that was, that was going to be on the table for you if you wanted it. And she was like, okay, thank you. Awkward turtle, but yeah. I'm not going to lie. I, I absolutely love that he was thinking about such a platonic relationship where he could basically support her and mm-hmm. have somebody to talk to book about to books. Right. I mean, worked, would work fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I forgot about him. He was an excellent character. He was a fantastic character. He was a great male character. He, like, was, he was a perfect side character, perfect side male character in a book full of headstrong women. Right. Cause he was just like, I'm here for whatever you need have some shelter for the night like how can I help oh and by the way we could have had something but it's okay that we don't that's fine like what a great response mm-hmm. right he's like eh, it's all good not not really hurt by it <laughs> all right <sighs> should we talk least favorite oh wait wait I got I got I got one more favorite scene girl where are you going what Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. okay. Listen, I like James teaching Agnes his type of magic. I thought that was really impressive where he took the time and he's like, this is hard. And she's like, I'll learn it. Let's do it. I liked watching basically male magic. And then just the girls were like, mm, perfect. Thank you. And they just learned it and they did it. Yeah. I really liked all the scenes with James and Agnes. 100%. Yes. All right. Now you may move into least okay I didn't really have any scenes that I hated um the only scenes that really got me was all the drama between the sisters at the beginning it just it didn't feel necessary it felt like it could have all been skipped over and you could have gotten to the point a little bit faster with the book because part of the thing that drags the rating for me down about this book is that there's all this drama in the beginning between the sisters and I just didn't care and it took it just took too long to get going for me to like give it a really high rating I just like "Eh." it was such a slow burn like I mean for one the misunderstanding miscommunication of sisters knocked out a star for me I'm like girls Mm -hmm. You grew up together. Y'all got to talk. You got to write letters or something. Like, seriously. Like, right, because, like, they hadn't talked for years, and they had all these misunderstandings about how they had parted ways, and I was just like, why are we not sitting down and discussing crap? Like, like I, I get that we left when we were, like, teenagers, but, you know, you grew up eventually. Like, now you're in your 20s, you know? Get over yourselves and have a conversation where you're not just, like, passive-aggressive to each other. Yep. <laughs> Well, I guess I should say that knocked off half a star. The other half a star was, dear God, it took forever for the story to, like, go. I'm like, so what are we doing? Oh, we're looking for a tower. Okay. And, okay, we found the tower. Okay, so we're, like, only halfway through the book. 
oh, oh, now the tower's burned. Okay, what's the rest of the book? <laughs> oh, what's going on? I thought the whole book was about finding this tower. <laughs> and then it's after run away and all this crap. Yeah, for me, it was like, I like slow burn in my romance, but not really elsewhere. Slow burn is meant for one place, not in historical fiction novel that has fantasy. Yeah, I'm feeling like, for me personally, Haro's writing style is not my favorite. I don't hate it. I don't dislike her writing. I can enjoy the Mm -hmm. stories that she's telling, but it's just, she takes so long to get the actual story going that it just- I know. It That is what knocks her books down a star for me is the fact that they take so long to get going. And I'm like, where's my action? Where is my plot? Why is- And yeah, you happening? said there was more action in this book than there was in January. And I like yeah. January. I like January better still. Yes, there was. Yeah, I still like this one a little bit better. January, just like, I mean, you're following one person in 10,000 Nights of January. I think this one was helped for me with the fact that you were following three main characters rather than just one. Mm -hmm. So you were jumping around a little bit more and it felt like more action was actually happening. Because if we'd just been following one sister, I probably would have had the same problem with it then. I could understand that. I was going to say, also, I didn't, anything with Gideon Hill, oh, he was so bad, so evil. Like, this, the scene with him down in the dungeon with Agnes, mm, I was like, you are just so bad. See, and I found those scenes really interesting because it was letting you see more about his character. And like I said, he was such a good villain. So I was like, was a great villain. <laughs> I didn't have any problem with these scenes. It was nice to have a care. I don't want to say a character to hate, but a it was good. Mm-hmm. So Abby, I know we kind of got into our final thoughts, but what is your rating? How many stars would you give this book? How many did you put on on Goodreads? I give this four stars. It's a solid, enjoyable read. Like I said, it just it took too long to get going for me, and the characters were kind of. Eh. in the end like they weren't memorable I couldn't remember most of their names and I mean I feel kind of bad about that but at the same time it's like eh mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah the, the characters it was just sad because for me I think I grow more emotionally attached to a book the more I like the characters which kind of makes sense because like you they're like your friends you know you kind of grow to love them grow to know them and you're like yes yes I do like you the world building, A plus, amazing. Love the unique magic system. Love the settings and everything. The plot, I would guess I would give it a, a solid B, but the characterization, it's like a B minus C plus, you know? Yeah. And I think that might be the real problem for me is I like connecting with characters. I can read a character driven story that has basically no plot and love it. But it's all about the characters. If you can make me love one of your characters, yep, not like love, I will love your story. It's just that's just how it is. And I just mm-hmm. I barely liked most of these characters. So yeah, 
I know. This was a very solid four star for me. Like not, you know, it wasn't bad. I would tell people you should read this book. I don't think I'll pick it up again though. Much more fond of 10,000 Doors. Would reread that one. Would probably not reread this one. Maybe someday, but it was a long book anyway. And I'm like, meh. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, that is our review of The Once and Future Witches by Alex Iharo. If you have read this book, let us know. We would love to know your thoughts. And we'll see you again next week. Talk to you next week, guys. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use. Or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our mini-series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.